What's going on, coaches? Big shout out first to Coach Walls and the Ankeny Hawks. Uh, up north in Iowa, going to the state championship for the second time in a row. Won it last year, and they are headed back this year. Uh, really excited to watch them. Uh, you should be able to stream their game uh, from the Iowa High School Sports Association, I believe. Uh, their website to, uh, this week on Friday, um, Friday evening. So uh, from the from the dome. So we're really excited to watch that. Uh, best of wishes to Coach Walls. Best of wishes for anyone else that's uh, still in the playoffs right now finishing up your season uh, and uh, everyone else like me right now that is already getting ready for for uh for off season so if you guys need anything from us just head over to runthepower.com this episode of the podcast is brought to you by legend rings as coaches we all know the best way to represent our big win is with a big championship ring and the team at legend rings wants to help you guys celebrate your regional and state championship title this season Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and as we all want, affordable from design to delivery. To get started, please contact your dedicated Run the Power Legacy Builder, Sam Daniel, at samd at legendrings.com. Let him know that Run the Power sent you, and Legend Rings will make your ring for free. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builders recently launched a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Tyler Manns. Coach Manns is the defensive coordinator at Southwest Florida Christian Academy in Fort Myers, Florida. Listen as we talk with Coach Manns about his quick rise to being a defensive coordinator the tight 3-4 on Coach Tube, and about working with our former guest, Alex Kirby. You can follow Coach Manns on Twitter at Coach T. Manns. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, man, you're good. Yeah, so just tell us. Just... Tell us, you know, kind of how you got into football and, and football journey and, um, you know, kind of, like I said, how it brought to where you are now. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm currently the defensive coordinator at a Southwest Florida Christian Academy. It's a small two-way private school in Fort Myers, Florida, so Southwest Florida. I actually graduated from the school in 2014, so I was actually on the very first varsity team, had the very first field put in and all that jazz. Um, also, the winningest year, we won seven, eight games my senior year, um, and that's still the most success the program's had. So I uh, dabbled a little bit in college ball, played at Capital University, played Mike Linebacker at Capital University in Columbus, Ohio for a little bit, had some pre-existing injuries from wrestling in high school that I didn't know about, <clears throat> got out, had some surgery on my ankle and shoulders, and then um, tried to get into arena ball down here at arena ball in Fort Myers so I came home to get surgery dabbled in arena ball injury still kind of ticked me off but uh, still love the game so I still studied it even though I wasn't coaching yet so just really diving into the college world reading books whether it was Cody Alexander or, or um, you know all the YouTube videos diving in daily and then you know got the opportunity to coach in fact I got it from playing an alumni seven on seven game for my alma mater my high school um and i was like the team captain or whatever but i i'm kind of wow. anal so um i like had a playbook written and we had a practice the day before and i had like a play sheet and a call sheet and everything and of course the high school staff was out there and they they saw me out with like wristbands and everything like okay this guy's a little bit this guy's a little bit different so they offered me a job pretty much on the spot <laughs> that was 2019 um <clears throat> when i came in i wasn't originally going to be a defensive coordinator but kind of just naturally progressed into that role before the season and um you know, we got down when I took over, we had actually the defense had given up 49 points per game the year before we got that down to 30 and right under three points per possession, which is kind of, you know, right where we get into, you know, bad to good territory is right at that points per possession mark. Um, and then so, you know, 
next year we bring back 10 on defense this is actually the largest spring team that we've had we're going to be right around 40 to 45 kids the year before we are 25 so you know everything's kind of looking up in the program with you know getting a larger staff more kids in they're bought in they're hungry so you know really excited for next season obviously that's a that's a such a a short go from being hired to being the Mm -hmm. defensive coordinator um and I know that that is like the the dream for some guys, and then it's the nightmare for some guys. Like for me, it would be the nightmare. How did you, like you said, I know it wasn't the plan. It just kind of ends up how it happens. And and I understand that too. You know, there's guys that that leave, or there's guys on staff that don't want to fill that role. And you're, and you know, you got a coach that does and is hungry to do it. And and a lot of times, just from my experience, which isn't much, but th- that's kind of how a lot of the guys move up. Is like okay, I guess I'm the, the next guy that, that should move up in this. So how did that work, making that jump so quickly? Uh, because, like, again, I know a lot of guys that would love it. Me, personally, it would be, like, my my personal nightmare to make that jump so quick. It, <laughs> I would be just nervous, scared. I don't know. I don't know scared, but I would just be so much in, in such a short amount of time. How What was that like? Well, it was, you know – Pros and cons, of course, <laughs> a lot of pros and cons. Um, I didn't understand the hardest part to me was obviously actually calling the game. You know, I had this idea of like going to be like 24 year old Nick Saban. I was going to come in and run all these cool creepers and I was going to have like a big play sheet and I was going to call these super cool plays and, you know, play chess with the other offensive coordinator across the field, but it didn't end up like that at all. Of course, you know, you have a plan and then you get kicked in the teeth. So, you know, learned a ton just because I had to, you know, if you don't have a plan for unbalanced, but then all of a sudden you see unbalanced on a Friday night and you're trying to problem solve that in the second quarter and you got a bunch of kids going both ways. So you can't bring them to the sideline and, you know, tell them auto checks and how to adjust and things like that. You know, it gets really, really real. So, you know, I kind of had to learn on the job. So a lot of the lessons that I learned wasn't a preseason or from like a defensive coordinator that I could learn from or anything like that. It was really just because teams were giving me different looks and I had to problem solve that week to week. A lot of times, um that was you know doing my opponent scout throughout the week and looking at four or five games and you know sometimes I would look at a a film and I'd be like I have no idea what this play is you know just being a first year coordinator so we would play a flexbone team and I'm trying to you know google and watch youtube videos on what the flexbone is and belly series and spin series and how to defend the triple option and the week after that I'm playing a 10 personnel um three by one team and so I have to look up all these trips checks and we're trying to do all that. And it's also on a COVID year. So we didn't have a spring season. We didn't have, you know, much of a, a summer off season to install. And our fall camp was only, you know, two weeks because when we got approval from the state, they kind of just like, okay, you're good to go. You can play a game in two or three weeks. So trying to install a, a brand new defense while also trying to game plan and trying to do that all as a first year coaching and coordinator was kind of nuts, um, but was a lot of fun. So the only parameter that my head coach gave me was, you know, we ran a three, four last year. They were a quarters, a quarters team the year before. And he said, you know, as long as you do, you stay in our three, four base, you don't change the names of the positions. You can kind of do whatever you want. We didn't have much of a system the year before and struggled obviously defensively. So whatever you have to do, go ahead and do it. So, you know, when my, when he said three, four, the first thing I kind of went to was, you know, Aranda was coming off his national championship. Um, and of course I'm a Buckeye. So I kind of knew Aranda at Wisconsin when he was there from 2013 to I think it was 2015, had, had an idea of what he was doing already. Um, but then when he went to LSU, it obviously progressed to the next level and they won a national championship. So that's right where my mind went to. You know, I had other things kind of weighing in my head, a lot of small three, four teams. They like the slant angle stuff. So they'll line up in double fours, double fives, and slant to under and over and pinch and they'll go wide, they'll do a bunch of things, movement post-snap um but in conference and then the area i didn't know of any three four tight teams even though you know spread football it's all the craze now it's even bigger down here now we don't get a ton of spread to throw we don't get the quarterbacks or the systems where teams are throwing the ball 30 40 50 times a game that's actually us we actually run an air raid system so i see it in practice every day but when it comes to friday nights (laughs) against other teams we don't see it as much so um spread to run stuff we see a ton of inside zone so immediately the first thing i thought of was we'll, we'll, we'll just go we'll base that a tight you know that takes away 65 percent of the offenses that we see being 10 personal them trying to find big bubbles and things like that so immediately just dove into the Miranda stuff um took his playbook crammed a bunch of film in, and that's kind of the system that we went to and we've been going to coach I know that's kind of what you've been doing you know with coach Kirby and kind of your first one you know how have you kind of taken 
the the Aranda system, and I know you've you've kind of had to maybe you know I, w- I don't want to say like water it down, but maybe make mm-hmm. it a, a little bit more simple, you know, for for high school athletes, uh, and especially you know being at the school you're at, you've you've already kind of looked at and talked about the obstacles of guys going both ways. You know, they're probably playing many sports, I would imagine, as well uh, in some of those smaller schools. You know, talk a little bit about how you've been able to kind of modify that. Uh, and make it a lot more maybe digestible for the high school coach. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the first thing that I learned when I started to really dive in in a system was, you know, you have to cut the fat off off certain parts. Now you can't cut certain plays out and you can't cut, you know, complete calls out and things like that because then you kind of lose the general philosophy. One thing I learned when, you know, learning a college system was, you know, college DCs, there's a rhyme and reason to everything. Every every call, every auto check, every role that they have in, there's a good reason for them. So if you start taking out everything, um, you kind of muddle everything down. Now, going from a D1 college program to a team that has 25 kids and they have nine kids going both ways, obviously you have to cut some some stuff out that's you know not relevant. And that's going to change from team to team and area to area. You know, If I'm seeing a bunch of 10 personnel, zone stuff then I have to have you know zone stop calls if I'm seeing a bunch of 12 personnel then you know I have to lean on certain other parts of this call system Um, but it's a large enough system to kind of he's seen just about every offense that you'll ever see obviously going from the Big Ten whether plus personnel and trying to run power football to you know going to LSU when they're playing against Ole Miss and Mississippi State and teams are throwing the ball all around the field they get into different parts of their playbook and they do different things Um, but the biggest part was changing the language system if I'm most part of anything of trying to take the system and um, do it at a high school level is really the language system so I talk about this all the time you know Aranda is known for his creepers but any of his creepers they're tagged with quarterback names so um, Theismann, Orton, Namath, Bradshaw those are all um, calls creepers for them my kids some of them don't even play Madden some of them have never played football before before their freshman year so if I were to name a call Namath or Cal Orton or Orton that would mean nothing to them in fact they would have no idea if he was a football player or a quarterback or anything like that so automatically trying trying to change the call system um, to fit a high school kid you know I say if I have to do TikTok dances on the sideline to get a kid to memorize what he's going to do then I'm going to do TikTok dances on the sideline so we use everything from you know our two read call is Rambo because when I first installed two read they had it the year before um, and I was just going to open a book like I was doing palms or two read and even my starting safety was like well can we call it Rambo and it made no sense to me at all but you know every kid was like yeah yeah let's do Rambo let's do Rambo so we can act like we're Rambo on the sideline and not on the field so to read to us is Rambo so if you start doing your call system like that instead of naming things like Orton or Theismann or anything like that it makes it that much easier to teach concepts because you're no longer you kind of skipping past the memorization part so putting the ball in their court when it came to naming things and signaling things in was the big thing so whenever we do a new call you know I'll kind of have an idea a rough idea of what I want to call it I'll go to the kids and say hey what do you want me to sing what do you want me to signal this whether it's Rambo or you know walk is us is tight for to Aranda so walk they just said you know move your fingers like you're walking so we do that for every single call it gives them ownership of it um, but it makes my job really easy and that I not sit down with the staff on a Saturday or Sunday mulling over you know that dreaded conversation of okay this is a really good scheme but how the heck do we call this how do we fit this in our language system do we want to go with the family or do we want to separate this out so to me I get some um, TCU vibes when I when I name my stuff. So we do a front, a second level, any pre or post snap movement with either of those levels, and then we get into the coverage, and then we also call the trips check as well. So um, we separate our calls out a little bit more. Whereas Aranda, he'll just have one thing. So he'll call tight four, which is tight quarters, um, and they're going to run tight four no matter what the other team comes in. So if they're an empty, they're going to be in tight quarters. If they're in trips, they're going to end up in tight quarters. And in each of those calls, there's a bunch of auto checks, auto rules um, to still play tight quarters, but still be able to align and assign to everything. So it's a little bit different. I'm putting the ball in my court a little bit more. You know, I have to be cognizant of what I'm asking my kids to do. Um, But at the same time, I'm not asking defensive linemen to know a bunch of auto checks or know what's happening behind them. I'm not asking the third level, the DBs, to know what's necessarily happening with the front, things like that. They just have to kind of trust me um, with what I'm calling and that it's all kind of fitting and piecing together. So that was the biggest thing was the language stuff is really trying to muddle it down, 
um, and get it to where a high school kid could learn it and not only learn it, but love it and love the language system. And it's not something I would have to change year over year. And then also throwing out a bunch of the, you know, some auto checks you need, but you don't need 16 different bunch checks. You don't need 16 different empty checks, especially when you see bunch, maybe 20 snaps a year. It's not necessarily to have a bunch of different trips checks. So um, kind of narrowing down the rules while still st- keeping the concepts was the most important part. Coach, I love that. I, we've heard a few coaches and, and probably Walls was the first one I'd heard start dabbling into it, but start talking to me about, hey, why are you so worried about what you're going to signal things? Go talk to your group. What do they want to signal? Mm-hmm. Like? You know, what, what makes sense to them? Like you said, not only does it give them ownership, but it saves almost an hour of your day on Saturdays where you and the other coaches are arguing about which name is cooler or which one they're going to remember. Or, okay, finally you get that down. Okay, now what's the signal? We wasted all this time, like you said. You just ask the kids, um, and and they remember it easier, and it saves you a lot of headache and a lot of time. And and but you got to have a uh, a a willingness to give that over uh, that not every coach necessarily has. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You know, it's not anything that you can put into the kids court and have them try to take ownership of, you know, you're going to end up better. I'm not the one that's playing on the field. I'm not going to be out there standing behind them. You know, it's not seven on seven to where I can be on the field and stand next to the safeties and do a bunch of checks and a bunch of calls and remind kids like, Hey, here you go. This is what, you know, to read is I'm looking at the signal, you know, a lot of times, especially with tempo, you know, if they don't know, what you're calling and they don't know what instinctually right away um, you're going to struggle especially with teams already trying to spread the ball and run a bunch of tempo in nascar and they're go 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 and they're just trying to get to the trying to snap the ball as fast as possible you have to signal stuff in as fast as possible so skipping that step of them trying to memorize things that don't really make sense um, is the easiest way to a at a small school do as much as you can so you know we we have five or six different fronts and a bunch of different coverages and we do a lot but to be able to do a lot you kind of have to simplify other parts and to us that's the language system now my call sheet looks massive because we have a bunch of separate calls but the, like i said the defensive lineman doesn't need to know the coverages or any auto checks or anything like that i'm just kind of putting the ball in my court when it comes to the call system how much then coach are you kind of putting on the kids to to be able to communicate signal uh, i know you've said auto checks a few times you know how much of that is kind of part of your guys's repertoire so Auto checking. I'm not big on auto checking. I got, I don't know if this is just because I'm bad at auto checking and making rules, but especially at a team that, you know, one platoons, a lot of times my very first year, this is something else I got taught the very first year and just kind of getting bit in the butt. I would come up with an auto check and we would be doing a bunch of, you know, opponent scout during the week and we go back five games and we would sit in the office for a bunch of time and we'd come up with a super cool auto check for, you know, tight bunch or whatever it was. And then game time, you know, because we were one of the only three, four teams and because we were the only tight team, we would waste a bunch of time. You know, they wouldn't even either come out and whatever we were auto-checking to or the auto-check would be completely opposite of whatever they were running out of the system. Mostly, a lot of the reason was because the defense is so unique and because the offensive coordinator also has, you know, time to get on the chalkboard and write things up. So I'm not big on auto-checking. I know a lot of teams and a lot of DCs are. It's just a personal thing to me. I'm not big on auto-checking. I'd much rather have a pretty in-depth call system to where I can get into different calls and um, try to do that try to help the pen last when it comes to the play calling. Obviously some tempo teams don't let you do that, especially if they're sugar huddling and things like that. Um, but not big on auto checking. As far as the calls go, we kind of do a sugar huddle thing to where, you know, they're not getting in a full set huddle. The Mike linebacker is going to call that. Um, but also we kind of put like captains in each position group. So, you know, typically right now that's our strong safety, our Mike linebacker, and then our nose, all three of those guys are going to look over to me. The whole entire defense is going to look at me, but those three guys are going to be the ones to signal things in. Um, if I was at a larger school, I would love to have two, two coaches kind of signal the back end and the front end. That way it's not just me looking like a, a goofball on the sideline trying to signal all this stuff in. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to tempo teams, you do have to one word, you know, your, your top 20 calls or whatever it is. That way, if you're getting um, tempo, you can just have one word calls and you kind of reduce things down. So, so you're not getting bit in the butt that way. Um, but we've never really had a problem with any of our signals getting called in, especially most teams that we play are also one platoon. So we don't um, get a ton of up tempo. They're not, you know, they're, they're also giving their kids a rest. We're giving our kids a rest and then we're kind of going to line up and play ball later on. Coach, I'm kind of curious. This is kind of out of left, you know, left field, but what is your, what is your expected like um, communications with your guy that is in the box? 
like so because you're calling and you want to make all these calls and like you said you're you're the guy that's going to make all the calls at a smaller school and so you've got to be able to hear yourself think and you've got to be able to communicate that out to your to your players and the other coaches that are wondering what the defense is before the snap um, but you also I'm sure want to know some information from the guy up in the box that can see things or you know, you want to know the personnel or whatever that is. What's your what's your operation of communication? Yeah, and I learned this once again pretty ugly on <laughs> during the first year. Um, you know, we were getting – I didn't realize as a first-time coach or first-time coordinator how little you can see on the field if you're straddling the line of scrimmage. So if you're trying to call things right on the line of scrimmage and they snap the ball, there's a million things going on, and it all just looks like a bunch of crap. You know, we were getting – I was getting into – teams where you know they would be 100 zone teams so they would run inside zone zone read midline outside zone but then i would get to the second third quarter and be like holy crap they're running bug sweep but i didn't even notice it and i would code i would get to the the game film you know saturday and all of a sudden you know they've been running bug sweep for four quarters and i couldn't see that because i didn't realize how much of a mess it was um on the field so having a box guy is hugely important or sideline replay is hugely important the number one thing we always want to see is you know are they making personal changes we do see some larger teams um sometimes they sub in an extra tackle an extra tight end we see a couple of teams sub in another quarterback and do funky things like that some gadget stuff all the personal stuff's super important because it, it kind of signals that they're getting into a, a different part of their playbook. Um, we also like the match personnel. So we have three different personnel packages, our base three, four, our big personnel, sumo personnel package, which bring in an extra defensive lineman, take a safety off the field. And then we also have our peso personnel, which we take a defensive lineman out and put in a nickel. So we like the match personnel as well, you know, based on down a distance formation and personnel changes. So that's a big one. If I don't know what personnel they're in and it's kind of hard to see while I'm trying to, you know, get a signal in as well as, you know, fix problem solve in the middle of the game. I have to have someone in the box tell me the personnel. The next thing is can whatever can you see the opposite side so with the corner to that side i usually put my best last year i put my best corner to that side um some corners have cool heads some some corners don't but putting them on the opposite sideline they get a bunch of smack talk and things like that so making sure that corner is still playing his responsibility still key and right you know not john or anything like that that's super important especially when i can't see that side of the field and then really i give him kind of a checklist you know what calls am i getting into what are they doing um so he, he writes down down a distance he tries to write down if it's zone or gap scheme and if he can if he can um also look at huddle sideline and then tell me what exact scheme they're running with because we get a ton of different things like like i said we'll get teams that on film are 100 zone teams but they'll pull out buck sweep they'll pull out power they'll pull out speed option they'll pull out counters another big one so we see so many things that we don't see during the opponent scout that it's uber important for someone to relate to me what's happening on the field if I can't see with my own eyes coach what are some things you know kind of you know being being new into it that you know you're looking to obviously improve with your defense and then I guess you know kind of twofold you know by doing a lot of these kind of deep dives into your scheme into the Aranda scheme and and you know creating new things and creating new language and, and putting these things together and then ultimately you know talking about it doing podcasts about it how much have you found that, you know, you understand your defense a lot better and you feel like you can fix things a lot easier as well? Yeah, that's, you know, that's an important part when you're learning someone else's system is how do they problem solve the system? So, you know, being a tight team, what's going to be the first thing that offensive coordinators do you know if you look at other clinics that are out there of course it was clinic season a couple months ago if you look at the schedule you know there's probably going to be an offensive coordinator that's talking about attacking the tight front there's probably going to be a defensive coordinator that's talking about installing the tight front that's kind of a hot topic especially with so many teams going 10 personnel right now in the big 12 putting up crazy offensive numbers and teams like iowa state and baylor moving to more of a tight base um you know it's really easy for an offensive coordinator to know on the schedule that I'm a tight guy and then they look up on YouTube or buy a course or something like that and they're you know listen to someone talk about how the teams attack the tight front so we see pretty uh we see the same answers from most teams so it's going to be some combination of buck sweep you know outside zone or outside zone lead split zone 
power off tackle, um, speed option, and then counter off tackle as well. So anytime they're getting into plus personnel, so 11 or 20 personnel, and they're running, you know, off tackle gap schemes, the big one, especially weak side, um, you know, where our first trip strike is we're going to play poach. So a lot of times it looks like we're minus one to that side. So we get a ton of weak side gap scheme. And the first year, you know, I didn't necessarily have an answer because I didn't think that, you know, I didn't understand how much teams were going to adjust to our to our scheme. You know, to me, when I was doing the opponent scout, that was going to be what I was going to see on Friday nights. And obviously it didn't end up that way. So I had to do a real deep dive on not just a random scheme, but, you know, also how is he problem solving things? And that's something I didn't understand until I really dove into a scheme that, you know, he has a mechanism for just about every plan B that an offense coordinator has. So if a, a team's coming out and if they're running gap scheme to the tight end, he has three or four stop calls to where they can, you know, get a, a hard edge over there, whether it's a five tech or a safety down or, you know, it's an eight man box. He has different ways to get plus one to that side post snap. Um, so the biggest thing to me was writing down um, each way that teams were attacking my defense, whether, like I said, buck sweep or, you know, outside zone lead, you know, what personnel information were teams doing it. And then I would write down actual calls um, that I would call into that. I really had to slow down the game for myself and try to put as much time and work I, as I could during the week and not in the game. So the game would slow down to me. So now, you know, the guy in the box is telling me, hey, they're running um, C-gap power to the tight end. Well, now I know in my mind, I already did my call list. I already know what three or four calls I have on my call list that, you know, I can kind of get into um, if teams are running power to the tight end. And I do that for each kind of thing. So, you know, I'll do that for four verts. I'll do that for, you know, weak side gap scheme. I'll get that. I'll do that for a speed option to the weak side of three by one. And I kind of do that. I play this game to where I already know you're going to come out and gap scheme. I already know you're going to try to run off tackle regardless of what your opponent scout does or says about you. Um, I already kind of have plan B whipped out in my pocket it's really easy for me to get into that so you know tight is our base but we you know i think more of the, the scheme is actually problem solving tight you know tight's really good for a lot of reasons i always say you know there's value in being unique that's going to be tight for us so teams are going to attack that certain ways um, and the value is i already kind of know what you're going to go to coach so as you're as you're building this play sheet that you've talked about and yours being a little bit bigger or, or a lot bigger than than you know, some of the other defense coordinators out there, how do you, how do you go through building it as far as, is that something that on Sunday you want to have the whole thing built out or are you building certain parts Sunday and then working through building other parts Tuesday, finishing it up on Thursday? How does that, that whole process work for you? Yeah. So of course on a COVID year, we only got, you know, two or three weeks of fall camp and we had to install everything right away. So to, to us, you know, the biggest things were getting down the static fronts, adding in a little pre-snap movement, um, getting two reading quarters in. But this year being, you know, a first full off season, um, I talked to a couple of college DCs and I was going, you know, I don't like the idea of trying to install things in the middle of the week. I think if you're installing things in the middle of the week and then you're trying to teach the techniques within that system or in that concept, especially if it's a completely new concept, you know, if you're slanting in week three and you haven't slanted in summer or fall and you're trying to teach kids to play fours, double fours and slant, that's a rough technique to teach with, you know, four days of game prep and your Thursday is pretty much a walkthrough and you're asking that kid to execute at a high level. So to me, <clears throat> I actually installed the entire defense um, in spring and we used every part of the playbook. In our, in our spring game that was a couple of weeks ago that was the 28th uh, we used every front we used every single coverage so we actually front loaded um we installed everything i think it was in a week and a half we installed the entire playbook uh, we did have a lot of kids returning we had 10 starters returning but we also had almost 20 new kids you know um, who actually got a lot of time playing in the game as well and you know i didn't have any problems with mental errors if anything you know our problems came from just a lack of, of tackling and things like that in the spring season, we went kind of light on that, but really heavy on the mental stuff. So I try to front load in spring. We're going to reinstall again in the summer practices that we get, the seven-on-seven seven stuff. And then fall camp, I'll try to install everything within the first five days, and then we'll really kind of get the game prep and, you know, a lot of the technical stuff. When I talk to my assistants about, you know, if you could go back and ask me to, to change things around, what would be the biggest thing that you would like? And they said, just give it, you know, as most position coaches, give us as much indie time as you can during game week. You know, that was the most important thing. So um, I was finding that a lot of the how much time we were spending a team and installing during the week, you know, wasn't efficient. So we try to front 
front install all of that and try to get it all in early and not not really add anything now that's a lot of that's a lot of work up front um but if you already have done the legwork with your staff of trying to problem solve all the things that you're going to see and writing down your call list and what each call does the pros and cons the strengths and weaknesses um then you can kind of install all that up front and then you can kind of roll into games week to week and say all right this is what we got you know i'm not going to use everything in my playbook in every game but i'm going to be able to pull out you know 60 to 70 percent of my playbook you can tell your kids on you know sunday or monday whenever you bring them in first you know these are the calls that we're probably going to live in this week these are the calls that may necessarily we're not going to work on a ton and Andy and group and things like that um, but this is what we're going to roll with but we have a bunch of different options and we're going to use every part i think when you talk to kids you know they like being multiple you know when we install tight four day one you know at the end of practice they're asking me hey can we put the when are we going to get cover one and when are we going to get cover three and when are we going to get you know the next front or when are we going to get all these cool things that we like doing the safety blitzes and the corner blitzes and all that stuff they want to be coached up to a high level they want to do a lot of things and they want to do it at a high level so you know i'm always of the mindset of you know trying to give a kid as much as he can or wants um to run um and i've never had a problem with that coach what are some then uh of kind of, you know, the things you use to marry up as far as uh, pressure packages, you know, do you, do you break those things down uh, a little bit differently? Is that, is that something where, you know, is it, you, you know, certain run pressures, pass pressures? Uh, I'm always interested to hear that, you know, just like, you know, me being an offensive guy, you know, try to put things in kind of concepts and, and buckets to where, you know, the teaching will be, be minimal. I'm always interested to hear how you guys want to do that on the defensive side as well. Yeah, like I said, as much game planning and prep as you can get um, up front. So whether that's in the off season or that's on Saturday and Sunday, as much as you can do um, while you're not in the middle of a game, that's super important. So when we talk about attacking protections, um, that's that's something that we do during all the off season. We match all of our pressures with what protection we generally want to see into it. So we saw 85% big on big protection last year. A lot of that is being a three, four team, you know, it just makes sense to, to fan both sides of the line of the offensive line. So we get a double, we get double fan big on big protection running back working inside out 85% of the time, I believe. And a lot of it was six and seven, six and seven man protection as well. So I think we saw, you know, I think it was 15 or 20 snaps of five man protection. And, you know, <laughs> when you're drawing up protections, it's another thing I learned, you know, you want to draw that up against five man protection, but that's never the way it works out, at least where I'm at. So drawing all the protections against six and seven man protection, and then drawing up against big on big full slide and half slide um, and doing that for each each individual pressure it's uber important like i said being a young guy and being you know a new coordinator if i'm getting to friday night and you know they're a full slide team and i'm kind of guessing i'm just looking on my call sheet and i'm closing my eyes and throwing a dart at the board um, and just hoping whatever pressure i use works into that or doesn't work into that then my kids are going to aren't going to be you know very successful so doing all that work up front matching each pressure each call to each protection is you know uber important so because we see so much big on big you know we have pressures that attack big on big and there's also some calls that um also only work that we like calling it a full slide even though we don't get that as much and then a couple of our base calls, you know, Titan 4, uh, Wizard 4 would be the Aranda language. They're also two-way goes. So we don't have a ton of two-way goes because I think it is kind of expensive. But for our, you know, our base calls that we're going to be in, you know, anywhere between 50 to 80% in the game, we try to make those as expensive as we can. One big reason is that we can then teach those concepts to the rest of our concepts. So we can get into all of our personal packages and still steal things from tight four and wizard four. You know, the kids already know how to run tight. The kids already know how to run two reading quarters based off of that. Now we can use that in our trips checks and our different personnel packages and our different pressures. So we can give a bunch of different looks with a bunch of different personnel and a bunch of different pre-snap um, looks, but also still use the same concepts. Um, so matching all those calls with, you know, big on big, half slide and full slides, 
uber important, especially to a, a young coordinator um, and not being in the fire and trying to guess. So we do that all up front. So we'll do opponent scout. A lot of times just in the ball that we see teams are typically only one or two. Very, I've never seen an offense do half side, full side, and big on big. Um, and then we'll kind of go into Sunday, say these are the big pressures that we want to run this week. If, you know, they're in a throwing down, if it's third and long, we know we're going to get full slide. You know, this is probably the pressure that I call. Then we go to the kids and say, hey, these are the pressures that we that we're going to use. And then that also goes into the group and team time to where we're calling those pressures into those specific protections so they get reps against that as well. Coach, being being having such, you know, small numbers, not small numbers, but, you know, needing guys to play offense, defense, mm-hmm. how do you get a – how do you get a good look in practice to work all of these things? Is it a you, – you've got to find ways to do half line – is it you just put the best kids you can and go full 11? What's kind of your best ways to really install this um, and get a, a decent look? Yeah, a lot of, you know, good on good. I'm really big on half line. I kind of still remember that as a player, the difference between going half line and good on good, um, playing at the same school. So, you know, I know I remember the difference between going against the scout team guy and then going to turn around and going against the one and trying to block or tackle the number one running back or try to, you know, block destruction versus our number one guard. So I still remember playing and that that difference was huge. And I felt like when I was getting out of those reps, I was much more comfortable and confident going into games. You know, I, I remember a couple of years where we would just go against the scout team and I would get to Friday nights as a kid and I would go, I'm not ready for this until like half through the first quarter or into the second quarter because I'm just not used to the speed, the physicality. I just, I haven't seen it all week. I haven't seen it for a week. So trying to gear myself up and get myself ramped up to that was difficult. So I kind of use that same, I've applied that to coaching as well. So we try to do as much um, good on good and half team as we can. Um, But we also, you know, we have to be cognizant of, you know, if you pour everything into, you know, your ones and your twos, um, being such a, a small team, you have to be able to coach those, those freshmen, you know, you don't get a freshman or we don't even get a JV team. So you're trying to an individual and group, you're trying to teach that freshman the same as you're trying to teach your senior, you know, that's difficult. Obviously you're going to ask them to do different things and different techniques, and they're going to be able to do it at a different level. Um, But it takes a lot of coaching and you're asking your assistants to do a lot when it comes to individual and group, when, you know, you're, you're, weak side outside linebacker has, you know, five or six different pass rush moves. And you're just, you know, you're trying to still size up a freshman. You're trying to size up, is he at the right position? Can he play at this position? You know, what kind of pass rush moves can he do? Is it more of a speed stuff or is it more power stuff? And trying to do that for almost each individual technique, you know, same thing for our nose is our nose freshman nose. Is he more stocky or is twitchy and fast you know should we only slant him if he's in a game or can he lag or push technique which is almost too gapping um so doing that with um different kids that range from 14 all the way up to 18 19 years old is a little bit difficult but practice time and really getting good on good so the kids aren't freaked out on friday nights is uber uber important yeah i I would i would assume so coach um that's you know that's the gonna be the interesting thing for me this year um in the past, at, at my last school, our our high school was one place. Our freshman, we, we had a freshman academy, and it was on the other side of the town. Uh, not that we had the biggest town in the world, but it was 10, 15 minutes away. We didn't have time to ship those kids over to have practice and just didn't have enough field, and, and we were a large – so I was never with the freshman kids. Um, and, and so now – and so they had their own freshman games, but I never even saw the freshmen. I mean, they did their own thing. What – what would you say is is the most important things you want to try to get taught? Maybe not even uh, again. I don't want to sit, talk about. I don't want you to have to give away any of your stuff. But what what is like in just in general or like big idea, big picture? What are the things you want your freshmen to know to help develop them to have a a good you know freshman game for them, but but not overwhelm them, but you know, allow them to be contributors as sophomores, juniors, then ultimately seniors. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that's not talked about enough is changing, changing what you call in a game based off the personnel that's on the field. 
Um, so, you know, if you got a, a senior that's hurt, he comes off the game and all of a sudden you have a, a brand new nose, a freshman nose or a freshman and sophomore end, you know, you, you have to change your calls based off of that. You know, you not, might not necessarily want to do that because of the team that you're playing and the scheme that they're running. But, um, you know, seeing if he's successful at what you're calling, you know, in the middle of a game, trying to, you know, watch the film on the sideline on can he do this? Can he not do this? You know, what is he really good at trying to play towards his strengths, even though it's not like 100% efficiency and what you want to call against what they're doing? You know, that's uber important when you get young kids in is, you know, putting them in a position to be successful, but also, you know, knowing their strengths and weaknesses. And then a lot of that is a lot of prep time and watching practice film and talking to the kid, talking to the position coach, um, you know, and kind of, brainstorming what he can do at this point. And obviously we'd like him to be able to run the full system at hundred percent efficiency and do all the bells and whistles, but that's just, that's not where he's going to be at after asking a 14 year old to do that. And, you know, he hasn't had a chance to be in the weight room and things like that. You have to play towards his strengths. Um, but biggest thing for a freshman, especially if we know he doesn't necessarily have to play a ton of snaps right away is to re get really, really good at our base stuff. You know, we're, like I said, we try to steal as many concepts as we can from our base stuff. So tight quarters, you know, a lot of times when you get into man concepts and things like that on the back end, we just say, Hey, look, it's almost like quarters, but it's, if he's running four verts, you know, you're playing loose man, you know, a lot of times what his quarters ends up as um, post snap, it ends up like cover zero. You just have a really big cushion on you. So, you know, stealing all those concepts um, from our base, if they get really, really good at our base, we feel like they can be really, really successful doing other things, you know, take an, uh, take an inside linebacker, for example, you know, being a tight team, we're, we're ball fitting. So we're playing stack track fallback. We're not doing traditional, you know, eight man spacing gapped out run throughs to where, you know, they're playing cloudy clear. And if they see a gap, you know, they're filling that gap going a hundred miles an hour. Well, to me, if a, a young kid can play nest then he can play stack track fallback and do that, you know, they can, then he can absolutely play, um, you know, lever spill lever fits to where he sees a gap and he's hitting it. Cause now you're putting him on a leash, but now you're taking the leash off. So, you know, trying to stay really expensive up front, we just ask him to do a lot up front. Once he's more comfortable with that, we start adding in all the fun stuff, all the little pre-stop movement and all the stunts and things like that to where, you know, it's less on the concepts. You've already done all the concepts up front, all the hard work's already kind of been up front. You learn that your first, you know, first couple of years, you get really good at doing that. Um, and then kind of building on that. So just building a foundation early on. Coach, when you guys install uh, a defense, is that something where you guys will kind of go, you know, let's install the scheme. Let's install, you know, your alignments, things like that. Or is it something where you're teaching a lot of your techniques first and fundamentals? I mean, I know they go hand in hand. You got to be good at both, you know, to be a, a good defensive team. But what's kind of your philosophy that like, hey, man, we're going to teach you the defense first and then we're going to teach you the skills to ex excel in this. Or I'm going to teach you the skills. Maybe then I can identify kids uh, and then we're going to plug them into the scheme. Yeah, we we kind of teach whole part part. So, um this might be kind of backwards for a lot of people, but we teach all the fronts up front, up front. So all the back end kids, the second and third level linebackers and DBs, they know the run fits. Um, and then the defensive line, I mean, you know, they know under, they know over, they know tight. And then we start, when the pre-snap stuff to work, you know, now we can just tell them, hey, you know, it's this front. Now you're just not lining up there pre-snap. You're just getting to it right before the snap of the ball off of the the, the Mike linebackers um, move call. And then we start adding in the post-snap stuff. So like I said, teaching a lot of things up front when it comes to the fronts. Um, like I said, we're going to teach under and over. But a lot of the post-snap stuff like Theismann and Orton, you know, it's tight pre-snap but then it's just under post-snap so now you're just telling your four eye you know you've already taught them how to play four eye you've already taught them how to play a five take in the under and over front um so now you're just saying hey you just get to this pre you're just getting to this post-snap now you've done all this pre-snap movement you already know how to play tight you already know how to play a five tech you already know how to be a force player and read blocks and all that well now you're just going to do a post-snap so that kind of is how we can are able to do a bunch of different things um and be really, you know, expensive. It looks really expensive, but we kind of keep it inexpensive on how we teach it. So we teach the fronts first. The almost the most difficult thing for most kids is the run fits, especially when you, you know, we like to throw a lot at kids when we have a run fit period and they're going to go against, you know, power, counter, buck sweep, speed option. They see all these things. They see it weekly. We do as many different runs, run concepts as we can and throw it at them. And they have different run fits for each of those fronts, obviously. And it also depends on the back end, whether we're, you know, six or seven man spacing, we're in a light box and we're playing quarters and we're in tight or we're playing middle of the field, close coverage, we're in eight man spacing. 
and we're playing gapped out run throughs, you know, teaching the run fits first. And then I think after that, you know, it's, it's kind of easy. It's kind of downhill from there. You know, you're just running downhill, um, especially with how much run we see, you know, we really amp them up to, to be really efficient and be really good at our run fits to know what they're doing. Um, so it's a lot of coaching up front the first couple of weeks of teaching, you know, these are the steps versus power. This is what a pull away looks like. This is how you play to pull away. Um, and then kind of building on top of that. And then honestly, once they get through all that crap, you know, they're, they're itching for more. They want, they want to do all the fun stuff. You know, kids are always looking to safeties and corners, always want to blitz the quarterback and, you know, defensive ends always think they can play tight end. So they always want to drop in coverage outside the linebackers always want to drop in coverage and, you know, think they can shut down a slot and, you know, play press and things like that. So, you know, once you kind of get through the mud up front, you know, it kind of goes downhill from there. Coach, I'm interested a little bit, and this is a, a little outside of football, but it's not, but, um, you've gone in and, and you've got a, a whole uh, video series on on all of this defense, Randa stuff, and transposing it into the offensive line, or sorry, into uh, high school, um, and, and which is awesome. Uh, I'm kind of curious because when we got into this three years ago or four years ago, whenever it was, uh, and we started doing videos and different things, I was a, a, a coach that had a, um, you know, I think four, three years of, of coaching experience. Um, and it was, you know, by some of the older coaches looked down upon almost for me to think that I should ever put anything out there and then that I should charge money for it. Man, it was a, um, a crazy, it was a sin, a cardinal sin. And so we took a little flack, luckily not a ton, but a little from different guys and made me second guess it never that much, but a little bit second guess it and, and you know, be curious about it and, and things like that. Um, what, I don't want to say gave you the confidence because what you're putting out there is awesome. And, and, you know, me and walls did almost the same thing. So we're all for it. I don't want to come out and sound like it's negative because it's absolutely not. How, where was the confidence or, or what made you go in? And, and I'm sure you've had plenty of people or, or some people, um, you know, say things like you shouldn't be doing this or, even if you've been at 20 years, you should never make anyone pay for anything. Like, I don't know why that's the deal, but that's what some people think. What <laughs> gave you the confidence or the, the, um, the ability to kind of work through that? What were your thoughts as you were going through that? Was you were trying to decide, hey, should I put this out? Um, obviously, I assume you wanted to help football coaches out is why you did it and, and went through it. But what was that kind of process like? Because uh, we're kind of unique in that we, I went through uh, you know, a very, very similar process as well. Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of gave me the confidence to do it was, you know, I, I had guys reaching out to me and asking me questions and, you know, um, tell me I'm doing a good job on Twitter or, you know, whatever meeting after zooms, they would, you know, text me or email me or something like that and give me encouragement. I'm also kind of like, um, not just Kirby hasn't really given me a chance and poured into me but also you know I'm with I, I talk to coach Vass all the time and you know everything knows him for the the make defense great again podcast and his his patreon and his huddle and all the stuff that he does you know not just free but you know the stuff that he you have to pay for to do because he does it at a really really high level you know I wouldn't know the Aranda system or know anything I know without you know actually paying or paying coach Vass to like teach me the system and let me ask questions and watch film with him and do all that all that jazz so I know how important it was for me to um, not just make, you know, network through Twitter and things like that for free, but also, you know, go to guys that know what they're doing um, and pay them for their time. I don't think, you know, this is like sports and football specific, specifically is like the last bastion of um, guys being proud of not making money for some reason. I think, you know, <laughs> we live in a capitalist country and um, I, I run a small business, you know, I run a, a small family owned pest control business and I know how important it is to pay bills and, and do that um, and ask people to, for, for, a certain amount of money based off the service that you're getting them and you do a bunch of research and math on you know what how good your service is and what you think it's worth and things like that and then you you know you kind of put yourself out there and you take that risk um but you know being in this in the society you know that's that's the norm for the rest of society 
right. um, in the U.S., but for some reason in coaching, it's a little bit different. Now, there's there's a ton of different resources that you can get for free. You know, Cody Alexander writes an article for free, like, every day on day. Coach Vass, you know, if you were to DM him or tweet him or ask him a question, you know, he 99% of the time he's going to answer it. You know, I did that. I still have DMs when I used to DM Coach Vass and Cody when I was getting started in 2019. I was just some 23-year-old that had never coached a football game in his life, and I was asking him all sorts of questions. Um, so those guys tend to give away a ton of their time for free, just being good guys. That's something that I've learned, you know, guys like Kirby, guys like Cody, guys like Bass that I know, you know, they're guys that, you know, charge for their services, but also at the same time, they're like the best dudes that I've met. So it kind of goes hand in hand and um, they put out really good services. They work really, really hard for what they do. Um, and they kind of encouraged me to do the same thing. You know, Kirby, when I did that, I sat down for him for 10 hours straight um, and talked ball for 10 hours straight. And at the end of it, he was like, Dude, that was awesome, you know, and that was huge for me as a young guy. Um, and it's the same thing with coaching football. You know, I still remember the times that my head coach pulled me over after games, or you know, even in a game, and he was going, "Dude, that's a great call," or "Hey, that was a, that was a heck of a ball game. That was a great game plan." You know, all of that is huge. So I get I get guys in my DMs constantly, young twenty to twenty five year olds are like, you know, I don't know if guys are saying this a lot, but you know, you're doing a great job. Just just keep doing your stuff. I remember, and I constantly talk to young coaches that are on really veteran staffs to where they, you know, they have to sit down and shut up and they kind of just have to take it. You know, they're even scared to ask questions. Um, if I can be the one guy out there, that's 24 year old that asks a bunch of, bunch of questions online and, you know, um, can be sort of brash. I've kind of been in the position to do that and that, you know, my, the way that I make money and make a living isn't necessarily tied to the game. It's just what I do. It's what I'm passionate about. Um, I kind of have a background in business, so I kind of understand the monetary side of that, as well as, you know, being very, very confident in my product and, you know, what I put out with Kirby and the time that it took to, like I said, 10 hours straight and all the research that it took to not only learn the arena system and all that goofy language of, you know, what's nail, what's gold, what's thighs and what's Orton, and then kind of reducing that down to a high school system. Um but I kind of it took it's taken me three years to learn one system. I'm not like, you know, some guys know 15 different systems. It's taken me three years to learn this one system. And I wanted to get it down 100 percent and, you know, not skip around and take other calls from other people. But I just wanted to learn this system because so I could win ball games. You know, that's what it started with was I'm uber competitive. I just want to win ball games at the end of the day, regardless of money or anything else. I, I hate losing. So to me, the most efficient way to do that was to learn the system in and out and learn how we called things. And that's kind of what I did. And you should be, you know, compensated for your time. I mean, you're putting hundreds of hours into these things. I mean, I, you, you ask any, any football coach like, Hey man, if a, if a kid came over and mowed your lawn for an hour, you'd pay him, you know, I mean, guys do work. And, and if it has value to somebody, it doesn't matter. I mean, Hey, if it doesn't have value to you, it's the same thing. Well, yeah, I mow my own lawn. Cool. But some other people, you know, you know, they don't do that. It's just, it's just sometimes I, I just laugh sometimes at the disconnect that it is what it is. I mean, somebody's going to value it. Somebody's going to, you know, put a value on it. And if it's, if it's time that I had to spend doing it, you know, I want to get compensated for my time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's no, no different than, you know, the, the stipends we get, we know it's not a, a ton of money, but Hey man, a, any little bit helps and, and any yeah. little bit that, that I can, you know, take and then ultimately hey it keeps me alive keeps me going i can produce more content i can be a better coach ultimately it helps the game when when that stuff happens i think yeah no i I mean absolutely and a lot of times when you know i'm sure you guys are the same way if someone were to dm you and ask you a question you know you're probably going to dm them back and just you know give them a give them a response you know the guys that tend to make money doing this tend to be the, the best guys in the game and they give their they give a ton away for free but there's nothing wrong um, with charging for a service in this industry. I think, you know, that's slowly changing as a new generation of coaches and, you know, the newer generation gets older and is in higher positions. Some of them are already head coaches and coordinators and things like that. And that's slowly starting to change. Um, I think it's a, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or it's a sports thing or just a football thing and a tough guy mentality. Um, but there's nothing tough about, you know, working for free. You know, if anything, I think it's kind of backwards and trying to be tough. Um, when it comes to trying to make money for whatever service you're trying to do. 
Coach, I love it. Great answer. Walls had to give me 20 of those uh, pep talks uh, <laughs> every every week when we first started this thing out. I was, Just I was scared and nervous. And, and it, you sound like uh, you've you and him had collaborated or something uh, on <laughs> on about the same answer that that he gave me, man. It was, um, but I needed to hear it. I think there's probably a lot of other coaches that need to hear it. And yeah. um, you're exactly right. Guys had no problem paying to go to um, clinics, uh, but but they didn't want to pay for anything else for whatever reason, like you said. And um, uh, we've you've put your time in, and and that's what Walls had to tell me. We've done these podcasts for free, hours and hours of our lives for free, and it did help us. But there's other things that we could we could charge people for, and and people ultimately, you know, loved it, loved the, the products, or or um, you know, really valued uh, their money and valued purchasing it and, and really wanted to dive into that stuff. So um, I, I appreciate you saying the words you did coach it. It helps me out a bunch. It helped me out a ton <laughs> three years ago uh, as well when I was first starting it, but um, it's exactly right. You put a lot of time into it and obviously you are very, very well versed in it. Um, I, I love, I love just, I've loved this hour just getting to hear you talk football coach. It's been uh, really, really fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, I don't know if this translates to the other side of the ball, but like defensively, you know, watching a 30 minute YouTube video or a one hour clinic, you can't just take calls from other people's systems and expect to call it out a high level on Friday nights. You know, it's that's not how uh, football or, you know, defense specifically is made. You can't just take um, a play or a call and try to install it on there on into your kids and, you know, believe in that call on Friday night. And when, you know, you're down by three points and it's third down, are you going to call that? Are you going to be really good at that? If you just, you know, plucked it from a youtube video or something like that and there's nothing wrong with you know getting um little tricks and tips here and there but if you really you know want to make your system better and want to believe in the system fully you have to understand like every single part of it and that takes a ton of time it takes a ton of material and it takes a lot of like um you know philosophy of thinking about what's this call about what's that what how how um when and why of each call and then kind of then once it passes all of those kind of then installing it and trying to get into your staff and to your kids and teaching the techniques and concepts all that but it takes a ton of time for each individual call coach can you talk i mean before we get you off here you know talk a little bit about you know the the product you put out and then i don't know maybe kind of talk about because I, th- I think there's other guys out there like you said who who are you know pushing hard and, and putting a lot of this stuff in and, and maybe they don't have the time to, to, you know, kind of run their own business, put this stuff out on their own, you know, why did you decide to kind of collaborate, you know, with, with coach Kirby uh, and, and put this thing out, you know, maybe talk about kind of the idea, the Genesis and, and why you chose to kind of go with him, you know, to put this stuff out. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows curb for, I mean, he's been writing books forever and they're, if you've ever bought an Alex Kirby book, they're uber detailed, you know, whether that's the Bill Belichick thing or, you know, my offensive coordinator, my head coach, um, he runs the guest Mazzon system and Alex wrote a book on the Auburn offense. And I, that's what I got him for his birthday because, you know, that's what, <laughs> that's how high of a level stuff that, you know, Kirby puts out. So, um, you know, just starting, um, you know, starting two years ago, I was a fan of Alex Kirby. You know, I had his books and I had Cody Alexander's books and I was, you know, listened to, you know, Coach Bass's podcast and things like that. And now here, you know, two years later, you know, I have an opportunity to work with Kirby and, you know, he's editing my stuff and we sat down for, you know, 10 hours and I just, we just talked to each other for 10 hours straight. I can't remember the last time that I've sat down with someone and talked to someone for 10 hours straight. I probably don't think I've ever done that with anyone ever. She's probably one of the only people in my life that I've ever taken the time to do that with. So um, getting to work with him is, is, you know, it's a lot of fun. It means a lot as a young guy. Um, I can't tell you enough. If you're in that position where you're, you know, in Kirby's position or you're a vet on the staff, you know, please, 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 you know, don't forget what it's like to be that young kid to where, you know, you might not necessarily know it all or, you know, you might be the young guy that thinks he knows it all and acts like he knows it all, but please mentor those guys, please just reach out. Even if it's just like a 30 second blurb or a text or a DM or something like that. I still remember after my first year, um, I hit up Cody Alexander, just asked, you know, a couple simple questions. And that was, you know, that was in the spring and come winter, he just DM'd me out of the randomly and just said, Hey man, how, how'd your season go? Tell me all about it. I want to know about it. And that was, you know, that was 
two years ago or something like that. So stuff like that makes huge impressions. Um, so what I did and got the chance to do with Alex Kirby is we put together a, a six hour course for my system. It's pretty much everything I know. I spilled the beans completely. Um, you know, if you, if you plan me next year, please don't buy the course because <laughs> it's literally everything we have, almost everything we have in, um, but that's on, third, that's on, that's on 3D publishing and coach tube. Um, it's on Alex Kirby's website. Um, and he believes in it. I believe in it. You know, he, he, uh, he's such a high level guy that he wouldn't put anything out on his website and kind of put his name behind it. If he didn't really believe in it. Um, he's also, you know, I don't know if I can let this guy out of the bag, but he's kind of switching over to defense a little bit. He is the special teams coordinator. Um, but he's also, um, coaching safeties a bit at Ben Davis, you know, so for the first time, I believe he's coaching middle safety at Ben Davis. So, you know, him getting a little taste of the defensive side of the ball is uber fun. You know, he's such a high level guy, but at the same time, he's, you know, asking questions questions and digging in on the defensive side of the ball, even though he he knows 10 times more than 99% of the people out there that are coaching football. So it's been a lot of fun to work with him and um, and guys like him. Well, Coach, it's been, like I said, an unbelievable hour. I've loved it. Before we let you go, uh, last thing I always like to ask guys is, is when you're watching as a defense coordinator, you get a lot of film on offenses. You're watching an offensive line. What's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Um, stance starts, you know, what, what are they doing? Um, like a second post snap. So I'm a linebacker guy. So we tell, we tell our kids, we have a bunch of different reads, you know, low hat, high hat, pull away, you know, this is a base block. This is a down block, all of that. And sometimes when we watch offensive lines, I kind of have to throw that completely out, you know, because their, their high hat is, you know, when they're running zone or when they're running a gap double, whatever it is. So um, sometimes I watch the offensive line a lot, do an opponent scout, you know, can my linebackers even get a good read from them is kind of the first question that we ask ourselves when we're doing opponent scout. So, you know, if I go to an opponent's offensive line and they're giving us really clean keys, you know, it's a good thing in that we get a lot of keys, but it also is rough um, when they're running their stuff at a high level, you know, especially to where, you know, a lot of people, a lot of offensive lines at our level is going both ways. So those kids are playing a hundred plus snaps. If they're able to get to the second level after a, off of a, a zone combo or a gap double, if they're able to get back to the weak side or Mike linebacker, you know, that means a ton to me, you know, those dudes are playing, they're playing at a way high level. And if they can do that into the late quarters, you know, that's super, super impressive to me. That it shows a high level of technique and motor to be able to do that. Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, you know, look forward to, to having another, you know, Twitter buddy out there. Um, and uh, <laughs> obviously, we, we love all the stuff you're doing with, with Coach Kirby. We get to work closely with him. So I uh, wanted to get you on, man, and, and wish you best of luck. And I know this this probably won't be the uh, the last thing you put out either. You seem like a guy that's uh, pretty content-driven. I think when you get a little bit of free time, uh, you'll, you'll be putting some more stuff out there, man. So, so appreciate you kind of pushing the envelope uh, and helping grow the game any way you can, man. No, I seriously appreciate it. Um, this this has been a lot of fun. You know, a lot of times I get nervous being young. I'm like, oh, no, oh my gosh, these podcasts. And then the hour flies by because it's just a podcast. <laughs> it's just an hour of sitting and talking football with two coaches. And it ends up like we're almost just sitting in the same room, you know, having a beer and talking with a chalkboard in front of us and drawing X's and O's. That's usually how it ends up. So this was a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I can't wait to listen to the rest of your podcast and maybe be on again one day when I put out new stuff and things like that. So I love it, man. I seriously appreciate it. It means a ton. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.